Welcome back to Made in the 80s, podcast about the 80s by people who were made in the 80s. I'm Shalia, and we have... Tim. Kendan. And this week's episode is about enemy mine. Not mine like mining, but mine like you are mine. But also, mining is involved. <laughs> mining is very much involved in this movie. <laughs> uh, 1985, um, starring Dennis Quaid and Louis? Louis Gossett Jr. Louis. Louis Gossett Jr. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. I'll put the timestamp in the show notes if you want to jump straight to it. Because first, what we're going to do is tell us the news. You guys, what's new? Can you have some news? Yep. What do you got? So this news is based off of my excitement for, I believe, December 12th, we'll be getting the next season of The Expanse, which I've talked about multiple oh, yes. times. I thought you were going to say season Star four. Wars. I thought you were going to say the day after Shalia's birthday. Honestly, if I had to choose one or the other, it would be The Expanse. <laughs> and also the day after Shalia's birthday. Oh, that's something completely more important, but yeah. it happened on a different day. Yeah. Wait, is December 12th when Star Wars comes out? I think so. I think so. Thursday? Yeah, because we're seeing Trevor Noah on the 13th, which is Friday. So maybe The Expanse is coming out a different day. Maybe I'm just thinking. Whatever the case is, it's coming up Yay. in December, early December. And Thank you, Tim, for letting us know. Of course. I wanted to share something people might want to go and look up. This is a Reuters report that the first map of Saturn's moon Titan has revealed some tantalizing features. Ooh. So... Um, what's interesting about Titan is that it's one of the only moons or, or even solar bodies that have liquid covering the surface. Uh-huh. Now it's liquid methane and other, um, Gases? similar hydro- hydrocarbons. No, I mean, methane's a gas at a certain temperature. So here it's a gas. It, are but they it, in gaseous state or no, they're in liquid No, it's state. liquid. Liquid. It's, mm-hmm. it's like How does it stay on in- the planet? I guess the ocean doesn't fall off, so... I was just thinking a planet covered in water wouldn't be able to hold the water on, but no, cover, it would. I mean, ours is mostly covered in water. Yeah, it has to do with yeah the gravitational pull and also the fact that the the water it's so cold that the water is or the water the methane and the other hydrocarbons are in liquid form. I got you instead of solid form. No, instead of like gaseous the form. Mountains. <laughs> We'll have a whole physics lesson some other time. No, I don't want to. Um, this reminds me of a <laughs> movie that I watched hurt. a while back. It's called The Europa Report, which was kind of like one of those found footage movies. But it was about uh, an expedition going to Europa, which is a different moon. I don't remember if it's Saturn or Jupiter. But another one where there was, it, where it's covered actually in ice. And there was a suspicion that there is also either liquid water or other um, liquid underneath. Now, liquid's important because... Um, it allows for the exchange of molecules and, re- and um, reactions to happen. And that's why it's so important for the beginning of life, or at least life that we understand. So, um, you know, know, this is exciting news to me. And I think you guys should go <laughs> so look the, it up. The news is that Titan has liquid, is, yeah. is covered in liquid. Yes, uh, vast plains of frozen organic material and lakes of liquid methane. Okay, cool. Um, this is also very appropriate for the movie that we're talking about. That's why I chose it. Yeah. Um, also, Titan, uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned on this, but you guys at least both know that like, my favorite movie ever still is Gattaca. Mm-hmm. And um, that is the mission that he is training on is a uh, manned mission to Titan, to the moon of Titan. 
And yeah, your and Expanse spends a lot of time on all those those different moons for different mm-hmm. reasons. And yeah, Titan has a role in it to play too. Well, congratulations on that news. Yeah, kind of I think exciting. if I don't have entertainment news, I might turn mine into Kendon Science Corner on a <laughs> semi regular basis. Yeah, fair enough. Tim, you got any news? Yeah, they're doing a RoboCop Returns, which what? is a direct sequel to the original. Uh, Wait, the there was like three direct sequels to the original. The project is being developed as a direct follow-up to 1987 movie released by Orion, says Orion, says Hollywood Reporter. And that's Entertainment's Richard Sokol, along with Ed Numer and Michael Miner, the screenwriters of the original film, who are considered its co-creators, are producing it. Wait, is Paul Verhoeven involved at all? Uh, directed by Paul Verhoeven, Robocop Center, no. The new creation then struggled with resurfacing memories of the, of the corrupt city officials. Sequels followed in 1993 with MGM, which acquired Orion in 97, first attempting a reboot in 2014 with Modern Take, directed by Joseph Polita, which wasn't a bad reboot. It just fell flat. Um, yeah. Kendon shaking his head. Yeah. Tell us why, Kendon. Why are you shaking your head? I, I don't think they're going to make something worth while i'll i'm i'm taking the wait and see approach you always take the wait and see approach because you never know but usually it turns out the way i expect never know i'm waiting to see maybe it's great i maybe think you took the wait and see approach on the robocop remake the reboot it wasn't a bad movie it just didn't have an audience for it i don't know who the movie was for it wasn't a bad movie it was done well and interesting and the guy who played robocop was great and any idea who this movie is for People who like the original. I mean, if it's a direct sequel to the original, I think they're going to try to ground it in. They might even set it in the 80s. What did, what did they just do? Us. It's for us. What did, what did they just do where it was another one? I mean... Joker? No. They did it with Halloween where Captain they ignored... Marvel? With those 90s? Where they ignored all of the... Terminator. The newest Terminator they did. <laughs> they're like, this is a direct sequel to Terminator 2. You know, the one that you liked? And I was like, well, there were three direct sequels two and a half so i don't know this is starting to seem like a weird marketing it's they're just they're making another sequel what but they're now acting like it's a different class of sequel or it's it's either going to be a good or a bad movie and it's probably not going to be a good movie i know but i like the freedom of it like yeah you know what just because you guys kept going beyond where you should have doesn't mean that we can't pick up where you (laughs) where we left off and make it good yeah i kind of like i like that yeah, you're not stuck to what the others created. And also, if you got people involved who were involved in the original, and you have people who care about what they're making, I think there's a a, a likely chance that it'll be it'll skew towards being more entertaining and faithful to the the original than not. I disagree with that. When you put three decades between it, when you take somebody who was in their twenties, thirties, or whatever, when they were had that creative mindset. And you you make them then, well, they're producing. And there's okay, which, which means than, different than like directing and writing. That's that I'll be way more concerned with that. But producing it, like putting money behind it and, and putting resources together to make the film, I like that role than like you actually writing and directing. Well, that then means that their personality is less likely to come through. But putting, I mean, but you're you're gathering people who you know you feel are faithful enough to do this the right way. That I appreciate. Wait and see. Anyway, that's my news. 
Any other news? That's really it. I mean, they're talking about doing a Michael Jackson movie. I don't know how real mm. that is. His how estates are they going to do it? Like in a good way? You know what? Mike, Mike is one of those bigger than life characters that I th- who was also very controversial in a lot yeah. of ways. The estates involved, so they most likely won't lean into the controversy, but you also need an estate involved if you want the music. Which you can't have the movie without the music. No, you can't. So it ends up being a very watered down, like, here are these highlights, right? It's not going to be Rocket Man. It's not going to be, it's going to be more Bohemian Rhapsody. Surely we hit these high points. Yeah. Were you with me when I was watching that, like, documentary about Rihanna when we were in Georgia? No. I mean, okay, I might have been be- with you, but I don't, I didn't participate. It, it was about Rihanna. It was like a TV documentary, and none of her music was played. Yeah, mm. they had the rights to it. And it was really awkward. It was like, because they were explaining like like one of their biggest songs like early on that put her on the map that I didn't, huh? Umbrella? No, no, it was before Umbrella. Oh, that other one she did. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it, it was a kind of a different, it wasn't pop style. I think it still had more of the, uh, the, the Bayesian, ba- is that what? Yeah. Yeah, it had more uh, of the Caribbean vibe to it. But since I hadn't heard it, but they were talking about how it put her on the map and did all this, I'm just like... <laughs> like I have no context yeah. for this except song, for, except for except for you can also just Spotify or like yeah, but that's not the the, the, the it's, it's not yeah. built to be like a companion piece to your phone. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's it's that's tough to do those movies without the music. So do I don't you, know. Like, hold and on also, song who's gonna play Mike? That's it's not that, I don't think that's that bad. They they'll cast somebody and then we'll be like, yeah. That was good cast. I mean, it could be bad casting, but well, yeah, I mean, that is good casting. Here's the question: I don't mean that. It needs to be like mul- it has to be more than one movie. Could but, you really sit through two and a half hours and be like, "No, you really got the essence of Michael Jackson's life"? No. So, so that's the thing. So, what story are you telling? Are you yeah. telling a full life story where you start with the Jackson Five and and his abusive dad all the way up until he dies? Are you focusing on like a hey, time? Hey. Are you yeah, thriller through? The, the trial. I think the more like, interesting and more consequential period is that early period, because like, yeah. if you did a movie about him in the eighties through like the early mid nineties or something like that, without really some no serious context from the back, he's like, oh, this guy is kind of a nut. He he wants to be a kid, blah blah blah. blah. But without, yeah, you need the context, which at least makes this a two parter for me. There's no way to do a two part movie. So why why early, is there no way? Early you ever seen a you ever seen a two part biopic? Have you ever seen somebody on the scale of Michael Jackson? Yeah, I understand, but like you're talking about the production value of doing a two part. Who's biopic. doing it? Well, you just film it at the same time. You know, it's on that. I, I mean, they know. did that with they did that with with Kill Bill like 15 years ago. Yeah, I'm telling you what I would be interested in. I yeah. do not think you could really about, tell the story compellingly. It would make like a four parter series on. Thank you. Netflix. That it, was the first thing I was thinking. That would make. More but sense. I think with Michael Jackson, they're not going to be satisfied on television because i think a miniseries on television is but really netflix, the way to go but netflix i think is the is the perfect platform for it because it doesn't it's necessarily feel like tv but it can't win uh, it can't win an oscar it can win a golden globe and it can't win an oscar but it can't win an theater. oscar that, like like i just well, feel like you're it, talking about michael jackson you're talking about can oh okay it just has to have a brief theatrical run yeah so very put it in the enough theaters. very brief very it doesn't enough. have to be three thousand it, it has, has to, to be, be a movie it we went to Netflix or streaming services in order to to make it a series, 
but it but now you're saying it needs to have a theatrical run. Yeah. So it's, it it's would all ha- smoke it and mirrors. Be a movie. It's all smoke and mirrors. Where you just say this is a it's here's it a movie. Is in eight hours. <laughs> yeah, here, here's a movie with an intermission. They know people aren't necessarily going to buy tickets for it. you. The point isn't to make money at the box office. The point is to have in consideration right so you, then, so you do that then, you do this sort of smoke and mirrors run in the theater and you set it up in a way there's an intermission and it's this long th- theater and you you're not concerned with it making any box office money you just want it in theater so it can be in consideration for for best picture so and then, you then you've, the, you've checked off the boxes of eligibility yep but the you didn't run into the old guard of people who are already upset about the streaming services trying to get their movies yeah, in. Yeah, but what was and that? Like, uh, not Zoo or you, you Water, lose. but... Uh, no, you won't win the, won't no, win the but award. No, there was that one that was nominated. I thought it did win. This is good enough. Yeah. Which uh, movie? I, I said Zoo and Water. I don't think either of those are <laughs> <right>. but, <laughs> the, the The Amazon one won. Uh, they, they don't like it because... what? He, but here, here's, the, here's the dirty secret. Most of these films, we are watching at home. On our screens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And our laptops during award season. I just came home to a package of screeners. So this idea that they we've got to see them in theaters is like, when I'm voting... But you like and I, I just got I just got Hustlers I just got Rocket Man I just got so if I right so you got it you're watching it at so home anyway so if I if I, if I somehow miss those screenings vacation life timing scheduling if as a critic I miss those screenings and then you're sending me you know like like hotel like hotel Mumbai I didn't watch the screening I couldn't make the screening because it's two o'clock and you got but the Tim, so you're, you're gonna watch it we're, yes. we're having this conversation it, so you're not gonna be like ground what level. media am yeah I but what I'm on? saying is like uh, as consumers we're watching we're speaking yeah. it from consumers no he's but, talking about it from like voting I thought people who vote the, voting for the the win. people who vote often complain that. I can't believe we're watching it on the screen and not in the theater. That's but, what I'm saying. But okay, the so truth what? is, hold on, let's see. The truth is, they do watch them. As, uh, they do watch them on the screens. I know, the pe- but, the but their business, their idea of what movies are, because this is their whole career and empire, is still based off of that old idea. So I'm agreeing with you that yeah. what we're really doing is watching it, and that's what I'm saying. We're having a discussion from the ground level real yeah. idea, but the people who are voters in the academy, the ones that you need to sway, mm-hmm. are the ones who imag- are, are stuck in the past. But they do and wa- so I'm talking about the strategy. If yeah. somebody, if the estate, the people who are trying to put Michael Jackson's story yeah. into a movie, they are also high up people. That's the world that they're existing in. I don't think that they're going to go for a streaming series, even if you jump through all these hoops, because mm-hmm. it's not. I don't believe it'll be an effective strategy for them to get the awards that they want, mm-hmm. unless, of course, they're okay with Emmys and Golden Globes. They might be. They might be. I mean, then, but, from but, a movie uh, standpoint, I don't think that a two and a half hour movie is enough to make a compelling part of a story. Yeah. And then we moved on. That that yeah. leads Roma. us to like. Yeah. Roma, Roma won Roma. Best Picture in yeah. 2019. That's a Netflix movie. Yeah, it absolutely is. And how, but but it's not four or five hours long. It's a okay. long movie. But, but it's regular movie length. Roma is not telling the story of Michael. Do you get what I'm but, but saying? That's like another piece of it. You're saying yes. like, oh, you can't just open it on Netflix because they're against these streaming then getting awards. And I was like, no, this happened recently that a it, streaming it one did get an award. So now you're saying, okay, they were okay with a movie. A, you know, a regular cinematic sort of movie. Now let's see if we can turn this into a mini series movie and see if they're still okay with that. It is pushing the boundary. I mean, it's it's all possible. I just don't think that it's likely with Michael Jackson. From, but the one, the, the, the my big concern is, and I've heard this from Will Smith talking about playing Ali to Chris Evans talking about ca- playing Captain America is 
the person you're going to ask to play this role has to be willing to like it might not work and if it doesn't work now what like if you if you if you sign on to this role and you're playing this iconic character and it it's a shit show well, like, that, uh, now you, that also makes more sense to start with the earlier part of his life because you can get somebody less established, right? Uh, Edgerton, what is his first name? Who played um, Taron Edgerton? Taron Edgerton. He's been in some some stuff. He's known, yeah. but it's not he. But he's not at the top of his career yet. And yeah. he did a good job, right? As, yeah, yeah, he was great. His and Romney Malik, yeah, similar. Great. So um, you're absolutely right, and it just so means that, that you try to fear. cast somebody. Yeah. You, you're not going to cast a Will Smith in this case. Yeah. The, and there's a real fear from 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 people in that profession that <clears throat> I'm forever going to be attached to this thing if it does not work out. Well, and that's the flip side, right? You don't want this to be your first. I, I don't think I'd want to be introduced as playing Michael Jackson because it Ed, bombs. Because the dude, dude from um, he already had uh, Kingsman, for yeah. instance, and you, you know, people will associate with him with that first for at least another few years. Yeah, they still associate Alexander Ship with playing Ali in that in that Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. She's go, she's done gr- other great stuff after that. Playing this, what? She played Aaliyah in a Lifetime movie. Oh, and Aaliyah. It was supposed to be Zendaya and then Zendaya like backed out of it. So I have, I don't know anything about yeah. that. Who's this actress? Uh, uh, Alexander Ship? She was she played Storm in the new X-Men movies. Oh, I like I liked her version of Storm that had nothing to do. Yeah. That was unfortunate. So she looked like Storm. She, she kind of did a lot in the second or in Dark Phoenix. If yeah. we're not. <laughs> oh, did she? Nah, it, it wasn't Storm. Dumb. I was watching the X Men animated on Disney Plus and like uh-huh. the stuff that they let Storm do. Uh... I'm like, they didn't do. She didn't do any of this in the movies. No, she like went in to redirect. Like when they're, on, when they're on Genosha, she and they meet up with Magneto in mm-hmm. like, the first four episodes. She like redirects these missiles and like uses her powers to like. Use lightning to to kill the warheads. Did we have this discussion on Mike that the level of effects and movement that they have for Captain Marvel is what they should have for yes, Storm? Yes, I think we yeah. said that on Mike. Okay, we already yeah. talked about that. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, no, she's incredibly powerful and they worshipped her as a god. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the movie, she's sense. just a sidekick. She's just, hey, Storm. Hey, what's up? Oh, she was the worst in the, like the Halle Berry was the oh, yeah. worst. Yeah, yeah. wasn't a teenager. Yeah. Anyway. Well, when first class grows up, maybe she'll be. I don't know what they're gonna do. No, this... we'll get it. We're gonna get X Men and Fantastic Four probably real close to each Marvel other. Marvel will do X Men at least visually effects wise well, very well. But I don't I think, think they're gonna be movies with very much interesting thought put into them. I think they. I think they understand the characters. I think they're fine with that. I think okay. Marvel. Yeah. yeah, they understand the characters, but I, I don't think that they're going to do things that challenge the mind very much. And they haven't really done that with many of their movies in the past. So. No, that's the fact. Mm-hmm. They're going to play it safer, and it's going to look better. Yeah. Yes. It's going to be fun. It's yeah, going to be I fun. See. I absolutely... You I, know what? I, because like, now you're talking about the animated series. I will love to see like the feeling that you had with that yeah. and tried to do when you were a kid like playing or playing with the action figures mm-hmm. like that was what was fun about seeing iron man on screen even if you weren't grow- like as growing up i wasn't excited about iron man but it still looks like what you would expect from iron man in the real world which only then means the storm is going to look finally look right phoenix will look good yeah um beast won't look like he's on strings in 2000 and fucking 
Alright, we're gonna. I'm gonna get angry. When he would jump, he when he would leap, he looked like he was on strings, like ah, like he should be like jumping and flipping all around and stuff. Which they actually did a better job with Nightcrawler, didn't they? The the bamfing. In X Men Two, it looked like he was bamfing around more. Well, the acrobatics, not just the bamfing. Yeah. The yeah. acrobatics looked better than Beast does in the newer X Men movies. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Well, so we'll see what happens. You watch? Did you watch all the way through Dark Phoenix, or is that another one that the plane landed before you finished? No, you the saw, plane you landed it. before I finished, but I was on my way, mm-hmm. and so I watched it on the way back. Finished it. Oh, it should be on. Is it on Disney Plus? I don't no, know. No, I don't think so. Even though they own those movies now, I, don't, I haven't seen it. I'll, I'll actually. That's interesting. But, I'm gonna uh, look right now. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but okay so back back to michael i just think like this is it was really good yeah the movie made me sad it made me really sad and so <laughs> made me sad i just um it'll be interesting what they pick to do and how they do it um tim have you watched the michael jackson one from the recent one is that on netflix or hulu which one uh, the one where they talk about the scandal oh it's hbo What's Leave, it Leaving Neverland. Leaving Neverland. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. Me and my sister talked about it a lot. Yeah. Apparently that one's got a lot of problems. It's got a lot of problems. Um, it's a lot of information. Uh, Accurate? I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I can't tell. Okay. Anybody it wasn't like R. Kelly was like clearly a mountain of evidence against him and his lies were lies. A uh, uh, what of evidence? Glad, uh, mountain. He said mountain. <laughs> a mountain. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. An orgy of evidence. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. But I didn't want to use orgy in, in, in R. Kelly in the same we're thing. We're glad that he if it, is impro- if it is appropriate in any context. It was an, it was an actual orgy of evidence. It was an excellent actual orgy of evidence. Uh, yeah, so it, it wasn't like that where yeah. you, you get him, you know. It's it's too. It wasn't that, but it was. It's a lot. There's been problems in like fact checking and mm-hmm. date checking these people, and so it's it's hard to watch, hard to listen to because people explaining sort of the trauma of being molested as children. That's really difficult to listen to, even if you believe them or not. Like those stories are really tough. Do you remember there was a Netflix documentary out like a year or two ago called The Keepers? No. No. Uh, Never heard. Of it. Okay, I won't go. <laughs> As you I know. was hoping one of you guys had heard about it, but it was it was basically about a nun who was found murdered, and it, oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah, and it led into basically there was this this uh, private Catholic school where they were there was a whole abuse ring for the female uh, um, targeting the female students. Um, power what, man, why, what, yeah, what, um, mm-hmm. power. Shame I don't remember exactly what he said that that tipped that particular abuse story off in my head mm-hmm. honestly but that one came directly to mind based off something you just said all right okay. well that'll be interesting to find out how it goes i don't have any news so i'm ready to talk about what we're doing what do you think about watching listening to i watched 21 bridges with chadwick Boseman. hey here's the thing you guys mm. what's this movie about it's about a cop <laughs> who's investigating a murder of eight police officers and oh and they lock the city down yes they close, close the all the yeah they close everything in and out of manhattan wait okay. like the siege no which is a great movie I, by isn't the way. it <laughs> i want to rewatch that movie to be fair i remember after 9 11 i was like this is gonna turn to the siege yeah right yeah that was my first thought mm-hmm. and that's where it was like the, the, what, what, the, the army is a, it was bruce willis he was like the army is a broadsword not a scalpel yeah yeah denzel it's a great they round up all, this one, they ran up all these no, muslim people and they, about, they put them in yankee uh, stadium yeah 
It's crazy. Do you know the Steven movie? Steven Seagal about? is who I thought you were talking no. about. No, Under, Under Siege. Siege. Yeah, and Under Siege Two: Dark Territory. With uh, so this is a movie where ter- a terrorist, a couple of terrorist events happen in New York. This is like ninety eight, maybe ninety eight, ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and so they eventually put the entire city under martial law to track down all the people who are in this terrorist uh-huh. cell, which is crazy. Like he said, because a couple years later we have nine eleven. And like you said, like, that was my first thought. Was like, oh, this is going to turn oh, into siege, and they're going to yeah. put people in the stadium. Yeah, and you know, City Field or or Mass Square Garden. Was it Kingdome back then? Not here, but like, yeah, here would be like rounding everybody up in CenturyLink who we think are possible terrorists and locking them in there and closing the the roof. Yeah, locking them all in there. And we should watch out. that movie. Actually, I remember it being really, movie. really what intense. Inside one one of, one of the. Um, one of my favorite Denzel performances. Yeah. Because, it's, yeah, Denzel across from Bruce Willis, like it's both of them at a really great time because mm-hmm. he, he would have just been doing um, training, day training day a year or two later, later, right? Yeah, usually later, yeah. Yeah, let's watch it. I'm in. Um, so, 21 Bridges. 21 Bridges. As good as the so siege. Two, two, no, God, no. <laughs> two, things, two things were interesting to me. One was, I'm not sure how good of an action star Chadwick is outside of the Battle Panther series. Correct. I don't know. Does, how much action does that. he do in not the Because once he puts, the, he's a cartoon character. Once he puts the mask on, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Like yeah. I watched him in this movie, and I was like, I don't know if you're an action star. I he has the see look. Him as it, he has the build. He has the demeanor. But I don't know. He does. So to keep okay, but so, I don't know if he has like the charisma to do it. So you might know this better. So I'm going to jump back because we keep bringing up Siege. Was the Siege an action movie? I thought of it no. more of a thriller. a thriller. And in that case, this movie sounds like it maybe shouldn't have been an action movie. Because he's a great, intense actor. Yep. So if this was about investigation, process. It's, not, it's him showing up, at, showing up at these crime scenes like Rain Man and like putting pieces together and like oh. connecting these puzzles and then going off to another crime scene and getting another phone call and like trying to figure it out. But he's not actually, but it's not 24. No. But he's not actually figuring stuff out the way you would think someone in his position would. The other thing that's, that, that, that was jarring to me is these films feel dated. This, Black and Blue, because they... <clears throat> everything else is like drilled down in like actual stuff that's happening, right? Police corruption, um, communities not trusting police police being involved in, in these criminal activity stuff. We see these news stories every month, right? Mm-hmm. Officer so-and-so, and like they just buzz some cops that are involved in sex trafficking, right? Mm-hmm. So these cops are involved in these things. But the truth of the matter is, like when, it, when it's this corruption, these movies are, or, or, or try to be as fact-based until the end when they turn into like these bizarre fantasies where, where Kenan's the bad cop and we bust him and then we all rally around the fact that he's a bad cop and we get him off the force. And it's like, well, As that's not, not the, yeah. That's not what, like, we just watched the Amber Geiger we case. It kind of, it kind general. of happens if you get far enough that you're making everybody look bad enough because in the end you need to protect the organization. So they'll jettison somebody eventually. Eventually. Well, you're talking about a movie in which they shut into, they shut down all of New York. Yeah. I think they'll throw somebody overboard but, for but, that. But, there, but there's, but there's an, there's an, there's an ending where, I'm the I'm the good cop. I come out with the bad cop. There's a mm-hmm. bunch of dead bodies, and I raise my badge and say I'm the good cop. They're the bad cop, and everyone says let's grab the bad cop. You're the villain. I'm like that's not. We watched what happened with Amber Geiger. That's not. What you know, somebody made a, a similar point um, in like a retrospective review about um, the Last Dragon, which yeah. we've done, and the police show up and take uh, what is Ad Arcadian? Yeah, he's he's hanging from a hook. Yeah, 
<laughs> they come and they, they just arrest him and take him away. And they're like, nobody knows what he did. No one knows. Nobody <laughs> knows. There's a white man hanging, hanging yeah. on a hook around a bunch of black people, one of which put him on the hook. Yeah. And the cops walked in and said, oh, we clearly need to uh, this arrest this businessman. Yeah. And so th- <laughs> this idea of like, we just saw, you know, the Amber Geiger case where she shoots this guy, other police show up. They sort of whisk her away from the crime scene and they're doing all these things to protect her. Um, and that's just the way the sort of fraternal order of police operates. And we know this. We have enough information to know that this happens constantly. But in these films, they become these bizarre fantasies where people, where everyone's agrees this person is a bad person and so that they have to get off the okay. force. Okay, so Negotiator has a similar ending. Yes. It sounds like. So Very similar. So tell me, but, like, how, does it work better than this well, one? Well, we didn't or? know enough at the time. Like, that's why this film feels dated. Like, during Negotiator, it, we it. didn't know enough about these things were actually happening. We didn't have, you know, police going on YouTube and telling their stories about what it was like to work in the force and doing You heard these- about, like, in LA, the LAPD had, or is the LA... County Sheriff's Department had like a gang, like a straight up jump yeah. you in gang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I read a book. I read a book like after um, about <laughs> Tupac and Biggie. It was called Labyrinth. But in the book, is like it would give context to what you were reading, and it talked about the Rampart Division, and they they, they acted like criminals. It was insane. The, to the Ramparts is that the same one? I'm no, it's a different. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. But they these dudes acting operated like criminals. They would steal cocaine from evidence and return bisquick they were running prostitution out of an apartment they called the honeycomb like these dudes were wildin and then, somebody and, was clever with that name and kicking it with suge knight like in, in acnes's personal security on the side you know and, 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 not and to, it's still gang affiliated not to get political at all but yeah let's do it <laughs> <laughs> what would you expect like I, I, the history of people with like with uh how do you say it? with the weaponry with the power to to police any society have always been involved in this sort of thing yeah like going back as far as whatever yeah. it's almost to me more uh, more amazing that it's not assumed that the people that you give lethal power and surveillance power and all of this uh, they're surveilling and dealing with criminals seeing all of the way that they operate it's actually more amazing to me that people wouldn't, by default, assume that they're involved in this stuff. If you want to transport drugs from here to Vancouver, Washington, Vancouver, Canada, the best route is law enforcement. Yeah. No one's going to check you. You show up with your badge, you cross the border. No one's searching your vehicle. No one's searching your person. That's the best route. Now, all you have to do is pay these people enough money for it to be worth their while. Which is... Doesn't have to be that much and that, money. And it doesn't have to be that much money. Given the amount of prosecution, like not you know, convictions based, I think it's probably a pretty easy odds decision to make. And someone had mentioned this, like so post nine eleven, where they had all these checks at the airport, that it became harder to fly dope and much smarter to transport it in vehicles that would not be stopped by police because they were police. Who's gonna stop you? Someone gonna pull you over? Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder. State trooper. Hmm. On top of that, I wonder if there was a point within the drug war. Wait, where super th- troopers? Wasn't super <laughs> troopers like the? Uh, sorry, Kendon. Just remember. Oh, they, they busted the drugs. It was the the, the, the Chiba. Yeah, but the other like the other cops were part of it. Yeah, the 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 county cops. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Didn't something like that happen in Twenty One Jump Street? Yeah. Maybe. 
was in all these movies. <laughs> the police say, are involved in some massive corruption. Do you, I could imagine? Do you think that at some point during the drug war, I don't know, the seventies or sometime, where they were they they were actually really trying to stop it and saw how fr- fruitless that we all believe or know that the drug war is at this point, and it was like. We but, might but, as well. If you can't like, beat him, join him. Yeah, if you can't beat him, join him. It, it, it was before that. My dad often talks about being in New York in the 60s and like, he said, man, I would see police knocking around brothers standing outside to hear, to hear Malcolm X speak mm. or, or to listen to a broadcast of MLK speech. And the police are there very much in force, you know, harassing people who are there to hear a positive message. But also, he said, I would see the police not doing anything about places that we knew people were, like, buying dope, selling dope. They're just not around. But at what wow. point did they basically become another part of it? That's not pro- just to... It's, it's probably then. Like, okay. Because you're, you're yeah. actively not engaging in a spot that... It's a known drug spot. Like, everyone knows this is happening. And you're just like... Think about it. Like, that was... that was um, What's his face? Was my dad? Was me and my dad had this conversation because we were talking about uh, Frank Lucas, and I, I was like, "How did he make this much money moving dope in the eight sixties, seventies? Is it Johnny Depp? No, it was that. That was um, uh, Denzel. Denzel Washington. Yeah, and he was like, "Well, you had oh, yeah. you had people going to Vietnam and getting drug addicted and coming home with a bunch of money." Shit, Rick Ross is the same. The the, the real the Ross. real actual freeway Rick Ross, I think. One? Yeah. Was the same situation. And so my dad was so in that it was in that conversation. But like, how does Frank Lucas move so much dope in New York City as a black man? It's having police involvement. It's having involvement of people who allow you to allow this thing to happen. Shalia. Yeah. You know, I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up or not, but the CPD Gray, I never remember what it is. But the one I played you, the rules for rulers. That was going to be my what have I been up to? Okay. So we can move keys into of power. Keys of power. Yeah. You yeah. Can. So Kenan uh, shared this. It's I think it's on YouTube with me recently. And he was just like, just so you know, when I think about government, this is one of the things that I think about. And it's this guy explaining power and keys to power. And, you know, it, it, I liked it because it starts with being like, you know, everybody thinks or everybody, a lot of people hear what's going on or see what's going on and be like, let me just go fix it. Like, I will just go... Like, put me in charge and I will be better. Um, and he explains why that's not what you see. Um, basically, by identifying that in order to be in power, you need keys. And those are, like, your people who let you come into power and also keep you in power. And they're not necessarily the same people all the time. And you also need treasure to get your keys and keep your keys. Um, and tell us... Do you want to tell everyone about it just a little bit? Sure. I mean, your keys of power from his description is the people who run the military, the people who run the police, the people who run the banks and other similar like major institutions. And you're to remain the leader. You need to be diverting treasure to the keys of your power. Now, if you're a dictatorship, it's usually a small amount of people like, like the generals, the, the top of the business class and the police forces and stuff like that. And in the democracies, it's actually spread out amongst a lot more people. But in both cases, you have to find ways that you're shuttling power or shuttling treasure, which is the money or the currency to your keys of power and away from any person who's not. And any, 
so any ruler who's like, I'm going to spend more on the people. Well, if the people aren't really the reason that you're there, that's a piece of the treasure that somebody who wants to supplant you can be, can promise to the keys of power. And so basically the, the shorthand of it is whenever you hear of like a, a popular revolt happening, it's usually not the, that the, the, uh, revolutionaries were able to take over the government. It's, it's usually because the keys and often the military allow them to. Right. The military allows them to. That was the, yeah. And that's why also he was like, like she was, Shalia was saying, the keys to your power are not always the same. The people who are key to you getting power are not necessarily the ones who are going to be key to you keeping power. And you'll lots, lots of times you'll see what looks like contradictory behavior or being like a hypocritical behavior because all of a sudden the new leader, the new regime is actually pretty close to a lot of the key players for the old regime and ends up killing off a lot of the people who are important to the revolution. Um, so the reason I was thinking that with Frank Lucas, right? It's like, if you're shuttling, if one of the keys to your power in the underworld is actually legitimate law enforcement, you need to be shuttling part of your resources towards them. And that's how you keep yourself in power. And if you start to screw them over, or if, if somebody else can promise them a better cut, then those are the sort of people who will look the other way mm-hmm. while you get murdered and a new, uh, leader comes come to power. Out. Yeah. Yeah. That's accurate. Can you uh, just repeat who it is, like what that video is? Okay. I always mess his name up, so I looked it up. He's got amazing videos, and it's called CGP Gray on YouTube. Gray, He's like G-R-E-Y? G-R-E-Y, but I think if you were to say A-Y, it would still get you to the right place. Um, and it's really key, I think. In I mean, I, I read I watched this video the first time within the last couple of years. Um, so rewatching a whole lot of stuff, it makes, it makes things make a lot, uh, like, like puts a new way of looking at things. Um, particularly, um, the Joe Abercrombie books, which I love, which are a lot about dynamics of power. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's, it's literally the beginning of Game of Thrones, right? Um, cause yeah, yeah. Eddard Stark does not know who the, he does not get the right keys of power. He doesn't know where the power is or truly lies. And somebody else does. You get the bank. You get the people who are in control of the city. Even if you have the military that's outside of the city, if you want to commit, if you want a coup or to to grab the government within the city, you have to know who the correct keys of power are. Yeah. And even like Baratheon, like the people, he didn't hold on to the right keys either. Like the people who helped him become king, um, like Stark, weren't the ones who were going to keep him alive um, necessarily. That's a good point. And, And he goes up to the north to pull somebody who is not currently a key of power in the seat of government. Yep. And he's like, I need you to be my hand because you're a good man. Turns yeah. out you're useless in this environment. Yeah. You have not amassed any power. You like, you could go to war, but that's a, a whole different process. Here, you are not, you are no use. And he really shows, uh, Eddard really shows his complete lack of understanding when he up and tells Cersei. I'm shaking my head. Yeah. Anyways, we all know how that <laughs> turned highly, out. So I highly recommend this, guys. I, I think um, the thing for me has been interesting is just like looking at the modern political world, um, like the, the one that's happening right now and the ones that I've been kind of aware of and just really applying this concept to some of the things that I've seen. So like thinking about the current leader of our government and the individuals that I think probably were his keys to help him enter 
um, that are not like there's a lot of people who aren't around anymore. And it, like he sh- he traded those keys for other keys. And I don't know how it's all going to play out. But I just I'm looking at the names and the people and the like transitions all differently now. And I think it's really interesting. He didn't have a lot of use for Steve Bannon once he got in. Exactly. Yeah. He yeah. didn't stay around no. that long. Okay. So that's one of the things I've been doing. The other thing that I've been doing is a new podcast for me. Um, it's Therapy for Black Girls. And I think it's interesting because obviously I'm not a black girl, but a lot of the things that they talk about um, are really helpful to me. Like I, I identify with a lot of um, the issues that they they bring up. So I am really liking it and I really appreciate it. And I like that they're like, this is not a substitute for a relationship with a good therapist, but we hope you like this show. And that's exactly right. Like it, it's not therapy, but it is like, it's like, I don't know, life hacks, life tips, talking about things. And so I really, really like it. And then I am recommending it for, I don't know, I mean, neither of you are girls, but you might find something interesting in it. Like Kendon was listening to an episode with me where they were talking about like making friends as adults. And anyway, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. Or I like it currently. Yeah, it's, it was good because we were like commuting in the morning together. Mm-hmm. All right, Kendon, what are you up to? Briefly, um, well, I talked about a game I was playing last week because I had picked up some like basically re-released games um, on the Switch from previous systems that I had enjoyed. So I'm playing another one called Red Faction Guerrilla, which is, takes place on Mars. Hey, <laughs> perfect for this episode. Exactly. Um, my whole space theme right now. Um, basically, this is a, a uh, it's kind of, it's a sequel from an even earlier previous series from like back in high school. Um, where you're in that game, you're playing like as these miners basically, um, on Mars and how they're trying to rise up against the, their corporate overlords. This game takes place a couple generations later where that group has become the oppressive government of Mars. Mm -hmm. But what the, the hallmark of the earlier games were, they were first person shooters, but you were, there was a lot of destructibility to the environment. So the idea was basically there, it didn't work out as advertised perfectly, but basically you could drill a hole or blow, blast a hole from the beginning of a level all directly to the end of wow. the level if you wanted to. That was as advertised, but mostly it was just like major parts of the environment were destructible. They didn't really have the technology on the PlayStation 2 to do it as well. This game kind of changes it more to just make all of the structures destructible, right? So you're basically... By destroying certain buildings, you're bringing down the control of the government, essentially, and raising up the rebels, hmm. um, which is interesting considering the conversation that we just had. So that game is fun. Also playing this on easy because the controls, again, are not ideal. Um, so, um, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, and th- these are games that I just would not have expected to be playing um, portably. Yeah. The other thing is a Netflix documentary. I think it's about a five-part documentary called The Devil Next Door. Mm-hmm. I thought it was about people finding out that the serial <laughs> killer lived next door. And it kind of is. But yeah, it turns out that, that um, is it Detroit? Cleveland. Um, it's about a man who was found in Cleveland um, that was accused of being a, um, I think, Treblinka. But it, uh, basically a Nazi death camp guard named Ivan the Terrible is what he was called by the inmates. Um, what's there another Ivan the Terrible? Yeah, he was okay. a he was like a Russian uh, monarch. Okay, one of yeah, the okay, ones. good. I was like, oh, he's famous. Yeah, so this was like a nickname essentially, um, and 
he claims that, that it's a case of mistaken identity, mm-hmm. but uh, he was fingered by the Soviets at the, the KGB at the time as a potential um, ex-Nazi. This is during uh, the Cold War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, probably, I think, I think in the seventies or eighties. I think it takes place in the eighties. Um, and there, he was basically the last major, like Israeli war crimes, um, because they had Nazi hunters basically. And I think Eichmann maybe was the was the one previous like major Nazi war crimes uh, trials. This one was interesting because there is there's a bunch of twists and turns in the story that you would expect from like a movie. Like this is it's crazy that these things happen. Um, but his argument is that he that it's a case of mistaken identity. He hadn't been in this place. These things are 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 inconsistent there's all this stuff that's inconsistent and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden a bunch of stuff is consistent then a bunch of stuff isn't like it turns out that for instance the um the a specific uh agency from the united states who allowed basically because he had his citizenship stripped from him and then was sent to israel to stand trial it turns out that they were they had doubts and they had been throwing their memos and like their stuff into the trash like in the dumpster behind the building and somebody on his defense team was able to go and gather these these uh, memos that were like, oh, well, he might not be for this reason, or he might be like that. Is an example of the sort of twists and turns that are going on in the the story. Anyways, I think it was a really fascinating story. It's not what I was expecting. It was captivating, but the real takeaway I found was in the fifth episode when they really talk about the idea that. Since it, the Cold War began right around, the, like, pretty much at the end of World War Two. And when did World War Two end? 1945. 45. So this guy, and this takes place in the 80s. So this guy was in America for 40 years, or 50, 30 years, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Um, and when was Israel created? 48, I want to say. Okay, so Israel as a government, 30 years old-ish. Less than that, probably, depending on when in the 80s. But a lot of what one of the things that Israel was up to is hunting Nazis and putting them on trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a great movie about that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, it was uh, found in 1948. Uh, is Oscar. it called Nazi Hunter? Nazi Hunters? No, that's coming out. It's a show coming out on Amazon okay. that's done by Jordan Peele. Um, this was a movie mm-hmm. with Oscar Isaac that was really good with Ben Kingsley, and it's great. It's a whole. I, think f- I saw it. True story. The capture guy. It's a whole fascinating topic, and, and in fact, one of the things they even bring up, and I would never have thought about it, was the trauma. I mean, obviously, there would be trauma for from Holocaust survivors, but they actually weren't treated well when they arrived in Israel initially, because you know, or Palestine, or whatever, um, because. There was this whole, like, what did you do to survive, right? What was special about you? Were you a collaborator? Did you do this? And you have your own survivor's guilt, but there was also an external, like, opinion about people who were showing up from from Europe after the, the Holocaust. And they're like, it's hard for me to, ex- they do a better job do explaining it. they talk about in the that mo- in the, the series? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but what was also fascinating to me, right, it was the end of the, it was the beginning of the Cold War. And there were people in the United States, a lot of people had Nazi sympathies, first of all, and a lot of anti-communist views in the, in the, the government and the business world, clearly, right? So there was a lot of... I, enemy I, of my enemy? Basically. 
And there we brought over a lot of Nazis in the in Operation Paperclip, which is how we got lots of top Nazi scientists. We've talked about that with the space program, but I never really thought about the fact that they were totally okay letting lower level Nazis in, like ground level Nazis. Um, and they would just end up all over the United States. Um, this guy ended up in. They were okay with that. Like you were just fighting them. They were just fighting you. You fight governments sometimes. But soldiers, like. It is weird. And that's why I want to watch at least this episode with you. And maybe we'll, we'll bring it up just briefly on the show later. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is because we talk about not like people are talking about, oh, is it okay to punch a Nazi? Nazi, Nazi. That term has come up a lot in the like since the most recent election. And I always in my mind thought of neo Nazis and stuff like that as people who somehow got caught on to a, an ideology, a foreign ideology, right? Because we already have Ku Klux Klan and other hate groups here. It's like, oh, okay, we have people who hate. I hadn't really contemplated the idea that these are people whose grandparents, for instance, were actual literal Nazis because the immigration services weren't really concerned with screening those people out because in the in the documentary, they make the point that they're the most ardent anti-communist people you could like they're very right wing they're very anti-communist so the government was okay letting a lot of these people come in and this guy worked as an he was a retired auto worker from cleveland right if he whether or you know he may or may not have been the this terrible terrible guard but even if he wasn't he could have very easily been a lower level collaborator or if he wasn't somebody else might have been or a believer. The idea is, is that you don't, that these groups and communities, and I know, you know, you obviously don't want to paint an entire community, but some group, some, some subset of them were on the opposite side of the war and they showed up over here and they've created families and they, just because they lost the war doesn't mean that their ide- ideology has changed. Mm-hmm. And I had not really contemplated and thought through that that is a source of literal Nazis being in America. I had always thought of it as something that somebody uh, takes on as a persona or as, as an ideology after having learned about it, not necessarily that they inherit it from a direct, actual, literal Nazi. No, yeah, yeah for mm-hmm. sure. So um, that was a fascinating thing. So that's what I watched most recently. Very interesting. Very. Did he have kids? Yeah. And where are they? Cleveland. They ought to stay in Cleveland? Did he yeah, American, I mean, uh, marry like an American woman or what? Oh, yeah. And the thing is, is that he was a, um, as far as we everybody says and knows, he was a model citizen. He went to work, was a great worker. People didn't have any complaints with him. He retired. People were like, this is my next door neighbor. Literally the devil next door, right? Mm-hmm. This is my next door neighbor. This is my father or my grandfather. I've never seen anything, anything that would different. indicate that he is the sort of person. And I'm not going to talk, really talk about it on mic, but every bad thing you imagine somebody doing as... A death card, a death camp guard, are things that they're claiming that he did. Yeah, all of that brutality. But if you never saw him in that context, and instead he was just like the guy next door who did whatever routine things. But okay, so you were talking about kids who were maybe or people who are neo Nazis now who come from people who were Nazis, but like. Was he teaching his kids to like hate Jewish people? Was he, he? He was not. He wasn't that I know of, or at least that's not this an aspect of this. I'm just saying other people could may have 
or very likely were doing that mm-hmm. because you like I said you already had homegrown Americans who had certain views like that. So it wasn't too far off. No, not at all. It's almost like it was fertile soil is maybe a way to think of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's what we're up to. You guys ready to talk about our movie for this week? Yep. Let's do it. Alone with his enemy, Dennis Quaid, Louis Gossett Jr., Wolfgang Peterson's Enemy Mine. Enemy Mine. 1987. No, sorry, 1985. Um, sorry, Dennis Quaid and Louis Gossett Jr. Gossett Jr. And it's, uh, I will say, this movie I had never heard of ever and yeah. never heard anything about it. You've never heard any of, of it. it. So, Tim, tell I us. I mean, essentially, these, these two people. It's it's directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Mm. What else has he done? Because I recognize that name immediately. Air but Force I was thinking One. Wolfgang Puck and got hungry. I thought Wolfgang Puck and got hungry. Uh, Outbreak, Air Force One, Das Boot, Director Troy, The Perfect Storm. Oh, okay. So he had a lot of really big movies in the following decades. Before that, not not a lot. Okay, so this is like an up and coming. Yeah, never ending story. Oh, okay. Tendon, you picked this movie. Why did you pick this movie? Why don't you tell us why you picked it and then also tell us what this movie is about? Okay. So, and now I'm, of course, missing his name right now. I've talked about this YouTuber a million times. So, I've, I watch all of these retrospective videos. And I've stopped watching. I'll, I'll click on a link and put it on a separate tab. If it's a movie that takes place in the 80s, <laughs> then I'm interested in. Okay. But I didn't want to, like, necessarily be reminded of it right at the moment. So, this was one that I remember as a kid would come on. Um, it must have been coming on cable or something um, that I saw and it's one of these movies where it's not like it's one of my favorites from when I was growing up, but it was very, it turned out that it's very influential. Yeah. Like there's some things, some seeds that it's planted in me and really has got me thinking of. So that's why it came back to my mind. And then I was basically like, I'm going to bookmark this. I'm going to watch the video closer to when we do. And we just, we were wondering what to record next. And I was like, Hey, I remember liking this movie. It's thought, it's, it's thought provoking in my opinion. Hmm. Okay. What, what, uh, what's it about? Um, this movie is about basically an internet, an intergalactic conflict between Earth and humans. Earth is like a long memory away. Yeah, she's right. They said at the beginning that Earth Mm -hmm. is sort of a distant thing. But it's it's still part. It's still part. It's humans. Yes, you guys are right, but it's not. It's not. It's not legendary or anything. No, they're just out. They've been out in space exploring, and that's sort of fair enough. Like their base is an Earth at this point. You're right. So between the human race, the, the Terrans is what they're calling them, and the Drac, right? And the Drac are reptilian-looking people who are also hermaphrodites. So they they have actually not hermaphrodites. Yeah, yeah. No, they are hermaphrodites. That because in they order have both to, organs. Yeah. Well, they they reproduce asexually, I believe. Yeah, that's what they said. Is asexual. They definitely said asexual. They didn't say that word necessarily, but they explained it that like they reproduce with them themselves. Okay. They're not man or woman. Okay, because the re- only reason I'm hung up is a hermaphrodite. If they have both organs, means they can still have sexual reproduction. And the whole idea of sexual reproduction basically is you're taking genes from two different individuals. Mm-hmm. Hermaphrodites um, are not asexual. They can't like just make a baby. That's why you're right. Which is why I'm. 
No, you're not right. There are some organisms that can. There's there's a whole spectrum of organisms out there. That's why I was getting hung up. But the the point that being, you would call hermaphrodite that mm-hmm. are also asexual. That can reproduce asexually. Yeah. Reproduce asexually. Yeah. They cannot. They can either self impregnate or there. It's a whole crazy spectrum. Of, I don't know crazy. There's a whole wide spectrum of reproductive strategies here on Earth. So. Okay, but it's easier to think of them as asexual than to be like it's a hermaphrodite. Plus, it can like the point is, and they make it very clear in the beginning mm-hmm. as he's describing them that it's they're not right. male or female; they are both, and they have their own babies asexually. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So the drac are basically these reptilian-looking individuals. Is that Jamie are- Lee Curtis really a hermaphrodite? No. Is that a, just a myth? It's a rumor. Yeah, no. It's a rumor. Yeah. It's not co- confirmed. Sorry, Ken. You're you talk about hermaphrodite. Really that's who I right think of. Back to that. No, that's who I think of. And she can't have babies just by herself. It's a rumor. Hmm. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. I won't do it again. You got me thinking now. So the drac are basically these reptilian-looking people who are species that um, reproduce asexually, um, and. It's interesting that the, the, if you're paying attention to the opening uh, narration, basically they're claiming the uh, humans say that they're claiming squatters' rights. The Drax are on a bunch of rip, uh, a bunch of uh, valuable resource planets, resource valuable planets. So there's already the the conflict is kind of like set up such that you can't jump 100 percent onto the human side because it's like, well, they were there first. The drac were there in these places first, but they were there as squatters, which is a term is probably not the term that they use that the drac use, right? The squatters has a connotation to it. If you live there already, you're a resident. Who discerns if you're a squatter or not? Yeah, no. At some point, Dennis Quaid says we legally annexed it, and there's like, he's, he's just like, you know, we we you invaded, right? You yeah. invaded. Uh-huh. We were already there. So, anyways, this is what sets up sets up this international or this intergalactic conflict. Um, but our focus is on two uh, pilots slash soldiers, I guess, yeah. um, who both end up in a kind of a dogfight and end up crashed and stranded on um, a random planet, yeah, uh, undeveloped planet, and have to cooperate in order to survive the elements and the environment in and of itself. The things that want to kill them. The, all the things that want to kill them. Um, There's that meteor storm. Yeah. <laughs> Deadly meteor storm. Lightning rain, like like antlion um, creatures. Yeah. Um, and the, um, so. They have to survive together and they become unlikely friends. Yeah. They become unlikely friends um, over Mickey Mouse and another wise uh, drag teacher. Um, they learn each other's languages, and then um, in the basically the as the story goes along, um, the drac becomes pregnant, gives birth, but has complications and passes away. So our human character raises the the young drac, who then gets kidnapped by some miners, yeah, some enslaved. renegade, yeah, kidnapped, enslaved by these renegade scavenger miners or whatever, and our hero has to go and and save. Uh, it it feels weird to say to it yeah it's not him I, th- I think they do though they refer to them as him like they like, when they're like what was my dad or my parent like and it's like he was something, something, yeah. something. i think he says i it heard all of the i heard time. dennis quaid say he he, or him. He. he may have done that but i did clock 
them saying it way more often than any gendered pronoun. Was that like the, the, the sort of the minors and other people who would speak ill of the drag that would say that? I think that, yeah, basically Purposely. people who are not culturally sensitive or yeah. I, just don't give, don't care, would just throw out him or whatever. Is this whole film about racism? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my takeaway. I was racism to slash xenophobia is maybe yes. another because xenophobia. it's not just that there's a problem with their, that they're of a different race because you can have a problem with different race that lives within you yeah. but you also have like because I definitely got conflict between powers sort of thing this mm-hmm. came out in 1985 mm-hmm. so we would still be in the Cold War and have you know seen all types of um, narratives or real life examples of you know this conflict of you're, you're as a soldier you're taught to to you know have a problem with your enemy but if you put the two in a room with nothing with no other context they very likely will have a lot more common have a lot more yeah so i just wanted to point out when you're talking about 1880 1985 uh if you like if you just google this movie it is described as a west german american film yeah he's west german the director yeah yeah and it was and, and to go along with that it was it turned out not to be super successful Box office wise, it lost quite a lot, but I think it's become a cult classic. But apparently, in the former Soviet states, this is one. This is one of the very first like sci-fi movies that was released after the the Iron Curtain came down. Mm. So it was actually like really popular. Like it turned out to be really successful. Now, I don't think that market was enough for them to make their money back. But but it means that when we travel, we might meet people and we bring up enemy mine, and they might actually know what we're talking about and be excited about it. Perhaps. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, then this is and, you know, this has been the benefit of me watching these retrospective reviews because you get a lot of that sort of uh, you know detail. extra context and details. And the other thing being is that this is one of those post Star Wars movies where all of a sudden science fiction stories were really marketable and. Yep. Um, so this is right in the middle of like a sci-fi. Boom. Every studio is trying Ooh. to throw out yeah. the next. Exactly. Movie. So speaking um, of, can you guys and this, this had a lot of effort put into it. So this is right after the right stuff. What were you saying? Yeah. Me? So right stuff was two years before that in 83. Dennis Quaid also. So I thought it was funny, right? Because like space program, Dennis Quaid, flying planes. Mm-hmm. And now we've got uh, space. But I was going to ask you. And he goes you, on to do inner space after that. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you in 85, like where were we with Star Trek? Because I th- thought of Star Trek a lot while watching this. So By 85, we probably were right into Star, Star Trek 3, yeah. maybe 4. And so this, we're still Captain Kirk. We're not to the next generation yet. Next generation came out two years later. But we've got two, we've got the show and we've got the movies. Two movies uh, before this. And mm-hmm. then you said 3 and 4, maybe, wait, where did you say 3 and 4 might fit? After this or before this or around the same time? Three was probably definitely before this, but for I'm just looking it up. So. Okay. I'm just curious. Like, yeah. Like, in terms of the sci-fi and then space and all of that. Star Trek Four came out in 1986. Okay. Star Trek Three came out in 1984. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so book marking or bo- book ending this movie. Okay. And the reason I think you're bringing it up is because I mentioned as we were watching that this felt very much like a uh, extended Star Trek episode. Yes, it did. It does. Yeah. Episode where Kirk and someone else is trapped on a planet, and he's got to befriend and, uh, some like Romulan or something. Yeah, and they survive. There's a famous episode where some, some godlike species put him in a, a what's called a Gorn, which is a lizard-looking person, 
and they're supposed to fight to the death, but Kirk chooses not to kill him. Um, so there's a little bit of that in there, but this is a more nuanced. Than they're the- living by a fire. No, because they, they don't end up learning the like the the thing that they say all the time, the thing that they repeat. Okay, so now what you're thinking of is a different episode that came out much later in the Next Generation. So the Kirk episode, he just chooses not to kill him, not because they're supposedly enemies. But what you're talking about is an episode where they they choose. uh, Okay, Kirk or not Kirk, (laughs) Picard is kidnapped by another race who are trying to communicate, but have such a different speech pattern that the only way they decide they'll be able to to bridge that um, cultural divide is to put two people into a similar situation where they will have to communicate to survive. The right. lights in Gartha, bruh, and da-da-da, right? The statements, see the... Uh, um, it's something and something in Tanagra. In Tanagra. They, yeah. This, yeah. This in Tanagra. Yeah, I like that. Because they basically speak all in um, analogies to previous events. And so if you don't have the cultural context of all of the previous events of their culture, then you, it's hard for you to understand what they're speaking. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead to influences. That episode must be influenced by this a little bit. I would imagine to some degree. Mm-hmm. Tim, what were you going to say? Oh, nothing. Go ahead. No. Okay. So. But this also looks like a, like, this looks like a Star Trek sh- uh, episode. Like the way the set's Yeah, look. I was say the way the set is set up when he's, when he's traveling through, mm-hmm. like, the different uh, weather when it's like it's mm-hmm. snowing and then like the the weather mining at looks like a lava something yeah. mm-hmm. liquid kind and of I thing. And I don't want to make that sound like it's a low budget on this planet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't no. necessarily seem low budget, but it definitely seems like it's all on sets. Yeah. It's, oh, definitely. Like like there's a set where there's like the starlight pit looking thing. Yeah. Where it's pulling people in. It's <laughs> like a, that's what I was calling an antlion. Because you know what antlions are? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that explains why you gave me that look. Antlions are an insect that make like a little trap like that. And when an ant or other insect disturbs it, you know, and it feels that the the little crumbling of the sand, yeah. it comes up. It's got big, huge pincers and it'll eat. So it's a trap. Like a trap it's spider. A trap sp- yeah. A trapdoor spider does a similar thing mm-hmm. using webs instead. But yeah. So that was almost exactly what an antlion is. Does it have a little antenna that comes up? Looks no, instead, you? it's got two jaws, jaws that come up and grab instead of that tentacle. Yeah. It's, yeah. That that, I mean, that whole thing looked very practical, effecty. The little beetle things yeah. looked like something I've seen on Star Trek before. Yeah, the little yeah. beetle looked like, looked like tortoises with like crazy beetle eyes. The weapons. What were they eating? Yeah, the green stuff, the sluggy looking yeah. stuff. I wasn't sure. Oh, you got it. There's enough on there to survive? Well, he was there for three years. So, so you know, it really. Three years he was there. So that means they hung out, got pregnant, had a baby. Uh, he, he grew, grew fast. Yeah. up to be talking, which is the opposite of what we've been seeing in uh, some other streaming He's, stuff we've been watching lately. He said he grew up with the, the, the baby grew fast. Grew are, we very able to, fast. are we able no, to bring up not, that other we're baby? Not, we're not. Nope. Okay, off mic then. Yeah, so the so, rapid yeah. growth. Well, yeah, it's just weird. Like, so all of that was only. But he was making clothes that fast. It was. That, I mean, they did say you're like growing, outgrowing before. I mean, he I had clothes on. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't have a wardrobe. Yeah, I mean, his hair didn't. I was thinking Dennis Quaid's hair wasn't growing quite as fast as it needed to if they had been there. Because w- before the baby was even born, Kenan was like, "Has this been months or years?" Yeah. Actually, before we even knew for sure that he was pregnant, mm-hmm. 
we were like, has this been months or years? Not so, sure. So when Dennis Quay gets shot, like, what we to weird. assume that he's dead? We should assume that he's dead. Well, it was weird. I was like, that's not, that can't be because he's been narrating this and he didn't yeah. finish it. So there's, he's not dead. How do you but survive they that? shot him and made know, it look I'm... like he was dead. And then they picked him up and then didn't check whether he wasn't dead. Yeah. Okay. So, like I said, the retrospective helps. Okay. What um, does retrospective say? Apparently, the studio was concerned. And now that this is even more absurd because they decided not to change the name. Or I guess it's, this is basically, this is partially based off of a book. But that people, the audience would be confused because there was no mining involved in a movie called Enemy Mine. But there is mining involved. There was, no, there was not in the original script. So they they um they changed the name and added. Well, instead of, rather than change the name, they added this whole third act where there's miners on the planet mining. So then yeah. he has to come and save the baby. Yeah, it, that was not the original idea for the movie. So I think that's why it's such a jagged sort of transitions. Like, oh, we yeah, have to kill yeah. him. And then it's like, oh, we pick him up, but we don't check for any vital signs on our own soldier. And then we almost throw him out. Like, the, that like, whole they're, transition they're, was really... toe-tagging him as he... Yeah. Like, trying to rip valuables off of him after they've already put him in a bag, which is not the sort of thing that grave like, like people who do that do. They're going to do it. He had a big beard, though. It, the beard. Well, you have to it. check to make sure he's dead, though. That's weird. They didn't check to make sure he was dead. And then they clean him up. And then he's like, oh, I'm heading back out. We don't see any of that transition. Okay, I want well, to talk about that. I think that had I to have, have been weeks. About that. It had to have been a while. Yeah. Like, how much did? Okay, wait. Are we done with that part? I. For now. Because I have a question related to yeah. what just Tim just said, but do we want to come back to it or do we want to? Okay, no, let's go. So I was, I was wondering. So this movie, actually, one of my favorite things about this movie was the editing. Like, mm-hmm. it was just like, boom, boom, boom. This happened. Boom, boom. Now we're here. Like, they just skip the boring stuff. Yeah. So, like, they crash on this. You said planet, but I wasn't sure if it was a planet or a moon or what, what it's a it was. a planet because they say planet later. Okay. So, they, they crash on that. And the next scene is him dragging his friend or his co-pilot yeah. out. Like, they don't be like, oh, I got to struggle out of this and all this stuff. Yeah. Like, it's like the next scene is him doing it. And then, uh, yeah. So, there's, just like, a lot of that, like, just cut to the next thing. Um, and I wondered... So Which is kind up. of TV-ish. Yeah. Yeah, actually it is. Yeah. So he wakes up. He's mumbling in draconian. He is. And then his friends, the others who survived that the original yeah, they flight, come in. they're like, oh, yeah, we know who this is. Um, and then the next scene is him like storming down the hallway going to save the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't know how much time Probably passes. A weeks. We know that he gets cleaned up and shaved mm-hmm. at least. What does he tell them in that time? Like, what do they know about his relationship with Jerry and the baby? Well, they mentioned the when, he, when he's like mumbling that he, maybe he was like he turned or something. Yeah, they're they're like, like, oh, do they work? Does he work for them? And they were like, no way, not him, because yeah. he was such a like quote unquote um, metaphor, like a racist against yeah. these, they're, yeah, he was an that. asshole <laughs> against these these draconians, and mm-hmm. like, so of course he wouldn't do that, but then. You but know. he must well, have also, they found him, some of it when he woke up. They found him on the planet that he crashed on, which is uninhabited. So it's not like he was behind enemy lines or, or like in constant contact with like right. a major amount of the enemy. So it looked I, like he was left for dead. Yeah. So they so, probably in, would have interrogated him or debriefed him, I guess is the term. Yeah. But I don't think he would have had, he doesn't, he didn't even get that much inform, like valuable information from a military sense I mean, from speaks- Jerry. 
he speaks draconian now but yeah he doesn't have that much information but just like telling his story and explaining what happened and being like actually this is a peaceful race and uh we have a lot of the same beliefs i think peaceful race is too far but they fight back if you come and fight i but that far you're too far down the rabbit hole at this point you can't you can't can't that was actually one of my my criticisms of the movie although we don't necessarily get in-depth portrayals of any of them other than jerry and jerry may have been one of the better personalities i feel like they made them a little too at least through his eyes a little too perfect or a little too good and i feel like the movie would even be more powerful if you come if two people who are more realistic come to terms and or come come to commonality and what was popping into my head was that Louis Gossett Jr., who is a black actor, is playing this wise alien. So there was an aspect to me of the magical Negro yeah, I was going say, on he's, there. He's I a magical didn't Negro. even think of it at this I was going to say that next. He's, he's a magical so Negro. He is. He's I very patient. He knows way more. He's more in tune with this, uh, what do you call it, sort of spiritual book that and, and teachings and all of this. And I feel like much more of the conflict comes from um, the humans, which makes humans, sense because they were already just like hanging out on this. Like the humans are the ones who showed up and were like, and, right. and that's what he said. He was just like, well, we're fighting back because like the teachings that the, he has, which are similar to like things that you would hear um, in religions here of like turn the other cheek. Yeah, and they're very peaceful. Teachings, exactly. Yeah. But it, it, prayer but for, in, meditation. for a kind of a hot t- t- hot button example, the Palestinians were there before the current Israelis, but before that there were Romans. Before that there were ancient Israelis. Before that there were uh, Philistines. Like so, when you're like, oh, we were here before you came to invade. It's like, yeah, but who? Th- they don't necessarily say whether there were other races out there that the Drac in turn, were invading, right? And then, right. You, you know, a couple of generations, and all of a sudden, you immediately forget that, you're, that your people were the invaders. And you're like, well, we were here first. Like, we lived here, and you came and invaded our place, you know? And Starship Troopers, the movie, at least, has kind of hints that the arachnids in that movie right. were actually living, quote-unquote, peacefully or whatever. We're not aggressively expanding into human territory it was when humans showed up showed up they responded aggressively but that movie's all about propaganda and, and fascism anyways so that's what i feel like this movie maybe would have had a little more for me now as an adult if you didn't have such a perfect example of the species in um jerry right yeah but it's interesting right because you're you're yes jerry was like a perfect person um but what you're saying, it makes sense that that doesn't mean they don't tell us that Drax are perfect. Right. Like, we don't know what was there before they showed up. And they when we see their there. planet, it definitely comes, ac- like, like with the yeah. ceremony and stuff, it kind of comes they're across the, a they're bit. They're very peaceful, very, he's yeah. doing prayers, he's, he's like doing this meditation, we're, we're le- and he's a soldier out there. Mm-hmm. So we're led to believe that as a, as a whole, as a race, they're very peaceful people, mm-hmm. and he's very angry, humans came, and... Um, Messed Sorry. up there, yeah. perfect. Yeah, kind of like what happened with the Native Americans here. Kind of right. Who, who <laughs> like the entire thing, like is wrong a lot of the ways that they're treated. But there was war before Europeans showed up too. Right. 
So nobody is entirely perfect. Just some people are way worse than others. I don't know. I don't know. Some people are bad. Uh, there were major, huge like confederations of tribes that were going war against other ones. There were disputes. Yeah, so you can call them wars. But like, what we saw was straight up genocide. Like. Absolutely. In a different way. And it wasn't like, oh, we disagree on these certain things. It was just like, no, we want to wipe you out to take all of it for us. Like, I didn't get the impression that the conflicts that were happening here before were like, we're going to, like, we're just going to own this entire continent type of conflict. But I, I don't think know. some of them were maybe not in the entire continent, but huge areas. Like, there was a better example I can think of is the Zulus, right? The Zulus. That ended up going against the uh, going up against the British Empire later, but they were an expansive empire who were taking over tribe after tribe after mm-hmm. tribe. Uh, and so th- this is not to go more deeply into oh, like was what happened to these groups of people equal? My point is some more complexity to the drac as opposed to an idealized version of what it was before, the, like what their species is. I feel like would have added to this movie. Mm, interesting. Yeah, because Jerry does say like, yeah, we are explorers too, but we didn't like, we don't just spread everywhere. Right. <laughs> like we came here and we are living here and we might go and live somewhere else too. But like you guys are all about like just spreading. And I think that this is, a, is also kind of a com- comment because this is an example of what you would call America in space. Like, He's like, you don't even speak English, do you? Right, right, right. right. So, Very American. So if Earth is this, is this far, far, you know, uh, distant memory, like even something like the Expanse, which which takes place all within the solar system, at least initially, the yeah. what people are speaking are these crazy, like, not you know, combinations of languages we know, um, put together, and then with new. Uh, but he talked about his what what Gerber. He talked well, about he, feeding the baby the Gerber football. and yeah. teaching the kid American football, football yeah, American like sports, that. football, the Houston Oilers. And I was like, they're not even a team anymore. I yeah, because Houston is Houston probably doesn't exist anymore. No, no, no. But like the Oilers the now, Oilers don't exist as a football team anymore. Oh well, there's that. But I'm saying Houston probably like given global warming and yeah. storms and stuff. Okay, so we didn't get to that. <laughs> we didn't talk about this yet. But yeah, so it starts in it like his narration is like late in the 21st century we established peace, like there is world peace, and so then we went to space. And it was funny because I was like, as as we were looking at how American this guy is, yeah. it was like. Yeah, how did you pull off the piece? Yeah, like, how did you was get the, to the piece, piece because you won? Like, how did this yeah. either American or then like Christianity too? Because there was a lot of Kenan kept saying like a lot of Christian Jesus references. Christ, Jesus Christ, yeah, people <laughs> say that a lot. You don't hear any Swear other yeah. religion but, even. So it does kind of have this, you know, a mix yeah. of like capitalistic expansionism, maybe kind of religious expansion, like it, crusade expansionism, mm-hmm. and. B- in comparison, I'm like, the drac maybe don't expand the way humans do, but question still is, what happens when somebody else has what the drac want? Yeah. How do they respond Respond to that? And even if it's not this rapid sort of expansion that humans do, if they want something, do they it, choose it is, to it, take it? It definitely is a response. Right. It is something. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that something is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, a, it's really an interesting film. And, and, can, I we, think, and yeah. can we point out want versus need? Yeah. You say Absolutely. want, but maybe want. they need it. And I then don't that think they might need be anything. a more uh, extreme response. I mean, 
we so the one track that we know jerry like he needed a lot of things he needed shelter he needed food right but in the but in this context i think when you say need do you need to expand your empire or your like once you leave your planet it's like do you need what do you need or what do you want do you want to have more of you if you want to have more of you you need to have something in order to get what you want it's kind of a tautology is that the term for it (laughs) sure Okay, so what else do you guys want to talk about? I have a couple of notes here. Please, what are your uh, notes? Let's see. Oh, so just the start. Like, just my notes are chronology based uh, uh, from watching. So we start with a fight, a, a jet p- fight, I guess. It's not very, Star uh, very Star Wars Very Star Wars a very Top yeah. Gun. Like, it very was reminding me of Top Gun. Yeah. And yet, this came out a year after Top Gun. So it was interesting that, like, there were so many similarities. But, like, you were pointing out earlier, Kenan, about, like, what month was it that they may not have watched Top Gun recently? So it's not like this was influenced by Top Gun necessarily, but mm-hmm. it felt very Top Gun uh, to start with. Reminded me a bit of the earlier uh, or the earlier version of Battlestar Galactica as well. Yeah, yeah, mm. it does. I liked the ship designs. I I also find like they're different. Like it's not, and also like the fight wasn't Star Wars level, but it was still. It didn't seem cheap. Like I really was impressed with the production of this overall. Mm-hmm. Like Despite I feel like it's aged all right. <laughs> in the background, right. I, I didn't even notice the matte painting. It was that good. Wow. Okay. I also wanted to say I appreciated Joey's last words. So they were. I thought they did a really good job up front establishing Dennis Quaid's character as just an asshole. Like here he is kind of being a badass piloting this plane, and then Joey's talking about a date with a girl, and he's like, "What the." Balloon. Oh, he called her a white, white balloon. balloon. Yeah, he does say that. And like, he's uh, like I heard about that early dialogue. I heard white bull, which I thought kind of made made me think of like you know the nurse from the Fifth Element that is supposed to be Corbin Dallas's wife. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when when she he was like the white bull, and I was like, oh, and he, and he was like, oh, she lost twenty pounds, but now I think yeah they were talking about fat fat, not just like a slab of beef. Yeah, or maybe they're talking about this. I don't know what they're talking about because we don't ever see her. But basically, a fat girl, and that's what he they call her. And he doesn't like he just like says that like, wait, you mean this person? And like, oh, okay, so you're that guy. Like you're that kind of guy. And I really liked um, as Joey is dying, like he's dying, and his like last like thought and words that he wants to get out is like, if you get back. Don't call her that. It hurts her feelings. And don't let the other guys call her that either. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> I, don't know, I just, I really liked that. It didn't need to be in the movie. I was, I was, about I don't to know agree why they exactly put that, that in the movie. It was there. It's I mean, a small detail that, that didn't have to be there, like you said, but adds a little, it's like a, a bit of thought of people's actual lives. Yeah, and a little uh, thought of people's lives, but also a little messaging from the movie makers of like, we're going to, this movie is going to be about the better side mm-hmm. of you. Like, mm-hmm. mm, you might be harsh and like an asshole, but we're going to, we're going to push you towards the side of just being nice yeah. and accepting and not judging other people. And, and hopefully not on your deathbed. <laughs> and hopefully, yeah. So like, he's like, don't do that. And I really appreciated that um, interesting situation. Um, and then, the other thing that literally I found interesting was that same scene because he's like grabs Joey out of the plane and they're running and then Joey dies. But like he doesn't need a helmet. Like he can breathe here. 
which just seems really lucky. And <laughs> I don't know. That's a whole, yeah. Like, it, yeah. One of the cool things from The Expanse that makes a lot of scientific sense, but does most sci-fi, sci-fi movies don't bring up, is that any, like, life that develops on another planet is bio, like, biochemically very likely to be extremely incompatible not not necessarily in a way where it's poisonous but in a way that since your body didn't come up with that biochemistry if you tried to eat it it simply would not provide energy for you yeah 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 <laughs> i had not considered that i hadn't really in- either and so in the expanse they do make it to planets that have life on them um and they're like, yeah, like this is just useless, useless food for us. Yeah, like, we need, we actually need. We our have to bring our own food because mm-hmm. we can't just eat this automatically. Yep, that's right. It's interesting. Um, okay, so those are some of the things that I w- wanted to point out for sure. Do are there things that you guys wanted to talk about um, before we get into influences? Um, this Louis Gossett Jr.'s career. Um, well, he was in a lot of stuff, but I don't know if we consider him sort of like one of these men who was like a star or one of these black actors. Hadn't he just of, gotten an Academy Award for Officer might, and a Gentleman? Yeah, he might have. But yeah, he's not someone who's ever mentioned in what we talk about sort of like. No. I think he was of really his not. generation. But in or of that era, I mean. No, he's still alive. He's what? Just, Where is he? What's he doing? He was, he's on um Watchmen. <laughs> That's, Actually, that that's strange. only slightly I'm disappointing sure. because I was immediately like, oh, man, they should bring him into to Black Panther 2. <laughs> there's time, there's time. Now he's already, no, but he's already DC now. No, that not, he can be in that. We already had a crossover, right? Yeah, he's in, he's in. Um, Who crossed over? I thought somebody crossed over. Uh, James Gunn? <laughs> so he's on Watchmen right now. Uh, so I want to go over what he did since then so <laughs> he's in jaws he's actually in jaws 3 with um what's his face dennis quaid they're both in jaws 3d so an officer and a gentleman <laughs> wait sorry what jaws 3d yeah so jaws 3 was in 3d so he's, they called it jaws 3d i feel like i, I feel knew, like that's I the movie him. poster more people have than even jaws 1 yeah like, I've seen that image, Jaws 3D, way more often. So One Jaws movie, 3D. I can't wait till we get to the 90s, because I loved Toy Soldiers. Yeah. Loved it. And he's, like, the headmaster yeah. or the principal right. or something. So, 80, so She 80, said Toy Soldiers. Every time I hear that, think about small soldiers? I think of Small Soldiers. <laughs> and every time I think of Small Soldiers, I'm like, oh, is it Toy Soldiers? And it's not. Small Soldiers is really funny. Um, so, we got Enemy Mine in 85, Iron Eagle in 86, Firewalker in 86. The Principal in 87, Iron Eagle 2 in 88. Uh, he did a Roots movie? The Punisher in 80, He's an 89 Punisher movie? Oh, remember you asked me why we did, were, why I suggested this movie? For that exact same reason, The Punisher is up soon, too. Yeah. I, I have that in our queue. Yeah. Toy Soldiers <laughs> in 91, uh, Iron Eagle 3 in 92. Uh, what is Iron Eagle? It, it's in- like a military movie where this guy, he's t- teaching the air pilots how to fly. He's it's, a it's, lot. It's, like, it's, I'm it's the toy, it's the here. sort of like. Yeah, no, he's run. a full on, he's the full on movie actor who had a lot of roles. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. What, Was he more of a character of actor, though? Or if he, like, because what did he win? Was it Best Supporting Actor for? Yeah, Supporting Actor. Then he probably had more of that secondary or or character actor role. Yeah. I guess. Then he, then he resurfaced just doing television shows through the 2000s. Um, 
in not a lot of movies. He was in Raisin in the Sun. He voiced Lucius Fox in the Batman animated show. That makes sense. I feel I feel like he might have a bit too much gravitas for his own good. That's not I don't like that idea though. Like Well, I mean we can only have much, one Morgan Freeman at a time. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. It's not Interesting. As this is crazy. He's not wrong. That like there aren't a lot of roles for that type of black man in Hollywood, which is insane. Because why? Why yeah, is in real life? Case? Yes, but think about it. There's not there aren't a lot of roles for very strong women in Hollywood that we know them oh. to be true in real life. There sure. aren't a lot of roles for them. Sure, but how often do we talk about like if we were going to recast this? Such and such. And we, yeah. we were talking about something where we ended up casting Idris Alba, and it was like early 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, no, actually, there there are other black actors out there who are Anyways, very, yeah. but, like, they're without, working. Without That's doing insane. an hour of internet research, we, we answer those best we can. Yeah. yeah. But I also think, I just want to say, I say that to say that Louis Gossett Jr., is, he's one of the greats, and I think we yeah. should give him his flowers while we can. He's a great actor. He's we good should. in this. He's been good in a lot. If you go back and look at his filmography, he's got a lot of really strong performances in it. And they're not all a bunch of like slave movies and like. Mm, not at all. A lot of, he's just playing like a, 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 some guy in the Air Force or like a cop or. Principal. Whoever, a principal. So yeah, I think. Yeah. My dad really liked him. I think that's why I ended up watching this movie. He also. My he has a much more difficult job than um, uh, Randy. Not Randy. Dennis. Dennis Quaid has oh Randy Quaid that would have been that interesting. That's a different movie. He has a much more difficult job because he has to become somebody that you really identify with, and like through a lot of makeup and a and lot of like language that you language. Think. Like he has to, yeah, he has to get through the emo- the emoting through, and I also I really liked the teeth. They're, they're <laughs> they choice. had like kind of like a one. Yeah, they had like broad, thing. longer teeth, like like wider teeth, I should say. So, if we're getting close to favorite things, I really liked... What did they poop at in this movie? The water. That's gross. Why? Is that more gross than pooping on the ground? I mean, that water was like a small pond. Yeah. yeah. It kind of doesn't mean they're drinking than... out of it. Yeah, but they're getting fish out of it. I, I thought that what they were eating, mm, they were pulling Where are those there. fish pooping? Yeah, well, you're I just was thinking like, thing. what are these guys pooping at? Yeah, I'm <laughs> peeing and pooping. Yeah, mm-hmm. you dig a ginch. Weren't you a Boy Scout? No, come on, you dig a ditch. They my, didn't have my oh. parents didn't trust the Boy Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. Oh. <laughs> Translation: <laughs> Tim's like your parents were irresponsible. <laughs> no, they just did not like full, <laughs> full transparency. My parents were like, "Nah, we good." <laughs> Give us your boys. Yeah, we're good. (laughs) We'll bring them back. (laughs) We're going to the woods. We'll be back. (laughs) We'll be back on Monday. (laughs) Man, my parents didn't trust. They didn't trust nobody, bro. So definitely not the Boy Scouts. Good point. I also really liked when he built the house and he's like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he learned English. (laughs) (laughs) They say not sturdy. (laughs) I liked that too. Not solid, I think is what he, yeah. Okay. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, but. The reason I had the question is, okay, so after Dennis Quaid isn't dead and he steals the plane and decides to go and save the baby, I think a few ships follow him. His friends end up following him. And I think it's more than one plane that goes to get him from there or follows him. Yeah, three of them. 
Okay. People they take off. So it's funny you're them, calling them planes. I know they look like They're planes like to jets. Me. They yeah, yeah but they at look some like jets to me. <laughs> no, I agree with you. But at some point when he was trying to escape, it says deplane. His the order is to deplane. Yeah, that's right. They're like get yeah deplane. But they're not planes. They're clearly not planes. But, but it is that's... the future, so maybe they are planes. No, they're not planes. No way. Okay. So anyway, he he gets there first. He has his whole battle and all that. His friends get there. Two of them hurt his friends, sort of like friends. Yeah, they're his friends. I don't know who the other ones are who show up. New recruits. And they show up, and there's Drax there. Now they're Drax slaves, but they're there, and they have. Not revolted, but they are not slave labor at this point. They're standing around like, mm-hmm. okay. Like, I wasn't, I did not understand it. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I did not understand how Why it was. Shoot that, yeah, how, how Dennis Quaid comes walking out with the baby. Um, and the friends are standing there with a whole bunch of Drax, and there's not like a battle happening outside between uh, the Drax and the friends. I can explain that one to you. Okay. What, what okay, was going so on? At the begin- towards the beginning, when they, he talks about the scavengers, he says something along the lines of their brutal scum or something like that. But they they um, hunt and enslave Drax for slave labor. Yeah. And so we turn. It's basically like we turn an eye to what they're doing. Yeah. So they're basically like criminals, right? Also, they're at war, but we're not necessarily sure that this is a war of extermination, which means that you basically have a captive population of civilians. Right, oh, you're not at war with this group of people. You might, but at the same time, these guys clearly aren't soldiers. Yeah, these aren't soldiers. They're, they're not slaves. armed. The this is technically illegal. Both what they're doing in the mining operation and in like I don't know the political situation between the Drax and the humans. BTA. The BTA, but they are, but they may have they may have regular war rules, which yeah. is kind of like like a Geneva Convention where these are things we're not going to do. Yeah, just because we're at war doesn't mean that that you automatically slaughter all of these. That's good. I was assuming it was the opposite. Like I was you assuming come out like dead Drax. Because I kept thinking. So that's the thing about this movie is I it kept me guessing the entire time. I was like, I think this is going to happen. No, I think this is going to happen. And I don't do that usually watching movies. So you were actively one, engaged. I was actively engaged, and I was like. Who's going to find them? Is it going to be a drag or is it going to be a human? Mm-hmm. How is this going to work out? Are they going to be able to explain, this is my friend, it's okay? Like, like it's... They would have probably... I was hoping that the drafts were going to be the ones to find him because I felt like Jerry might be more persuasive than Dennis Quaid would be if the humans found them. But, like... If the humans found them, I think they would basically be prisoners of war. I think that's the closest to what... And instead, they were found by a group of non military like non-sanctioned people so that's why they got enslaved Mm -hmm. so there's that the other thing i was thinking about okay so speaking of those scavengers like who are like outlaws outside the law and all that stuff one of my things was like okay so dennis quaid you were (laughs) you were overmatched the first time around when they were stealing the kid and you had your long hair and arrows so you didn't win that battle but you go back to save the kid but all you Mm -hmm. take is a plane oh like no no like i was thinking like commando commando goes to grab his kid and he is like geared up for battle ready for war i really don't think this Dennis act was Quaid, thought through yeah no like Dennis yeah Quaid I'm, I'm, like, I'm gonna fly I'm out there. i don't think he thought it through i think he just showed up and was like i'm gonna do whatever i can to yeah because he no, 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 like no, sorry. this fight what you're I was saying something different than what you're saying. You're I don't movie think making movie making i don't think this was well thought through and i also don't think he was thinking 
These these are miners, not soldiers. Well, he sh- oh so in that yeah, I don't even think he was outmatched the first time because no. he shot the guy through the neck, and then <laughs> he made had that a guy full on shot like and chose to say put the kid down. If he had have shot the leader of the with with the bow and arrow, like th- he would have won that part of the that fight. That guy too. who plays a goon in everything. Leon. I was gonna say Leon, <laughs> Leon from from Blade Runner. He plays a goon in everything. Is in forty eight hours, another forty eight hours. Everything is in. He's just what do like, you what do you think it's like when your agents like listen, buddy? You just have a goon face. Yeah, you can't punch yeah. both. You face. have a goon face, a punchable face. Yeah, these are the roles you're he gonna. Call already your, knows yeah. it. <laughs> you're lanky looking. You kind of look untrustworthy. Yeah, we're gonna put, we can make you a trucker. We can make you a hitman. We can make you a drug dealer. We can make you some mob muscle. We can do anything with that look. Honestly, goons are kind of like fun to play. Absolutely. Right? Like that's. I'm thinking of the Kurgan right now from from <laughs> Highlander, but then I realized in Starship Troopers he plays. He plays one of the good guys or one of the military guys. Yeah. I guess sort of good. Guys. It's fun for us, but it's probably not as fun for him. It might be. Yeah. Okay, so influential. I never heard of this movie before. I didn't know it existed. Didn't know anything about it. Like it started. I'm like, oh, space. That's cool. Uh, so I can't imagine it's influential. But you guys tell for me more sh- for sure. Well, at least for me. personally, it was. For me, it was. I, it's it's a movie that's always gonna remind me of my dad. It's something Aww. that we watched a lot or a few times together. I know how much he loves Louis Gossett Jr. And I know how much he loves sci-fi. And this was sort of like merging with the two things. So I don't know how influential it is on my life, but I know it's just, it's, a, it's one of those movies that I'll, I'll see and like immediately remind me of my father. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I have just associations from watching it a few times growing up, not with anybody in particular, but just like liking the idea. And it was, and I remember I, I feel like, so I didn't know who Louis, I didn't know Louis Gossett Jr. was playing and there was so much makeup on. I think in my mind, I thought it could have just, I thought maybe it was a female actor. Like, I I don't remember. When I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, no, that's a guy. But um, that's one memory I have that you basically it was kind of a, you can't make an assumption, right? Like, because the movie's like, oh, is it male favorite? Oh, you're pregnant? Oh, so I remember that as being an interesting idea. Is this why you ended up in science? I think I ended up in science because I like this sort of thing. Oh, uh, okay. But, you know, yeah. chicken, eggs, whatever. Um, although I have the definitive scientific answer to that, but we can do that another time. Um. <laughs> you you know, Kendon, you know what came first? Yeah, the egg came first. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we can talk he's about so it more. He's so sure, too. He's so sure. Yeah, he's very he's confident. Like, no, you, I'm a, you it's can a tell me different, but I'm, I'm not going to believe you. It's impossible. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So this is. The, I remember that. Um. I, I remember it being. I, I don't remember the third act at all. I actually don't remember the beginning. So this might. <laughs> right. But I mean, like the very, very beginning. So my mm-hmm. memory is about the part. It's kind of like a. Even though I've never seen shipwreck, is that what it's called? No, castaway. <laughs> like it's really like in my mind, the movie all took place on the planet with those two dealing with each other. Mm-hmm. Not any space like space station thing, or even I don't remember the mining part nearly as much. It was the two of them having to interact, learning to talk, starting to like each other, doing all of the random survival thing, and then him having a baby, and then him, him trying to take care of the baby. And I just had positive memories. It was like, oh, this is interesting. I like it. 
And hence, it's kind of like a Star Trek. Like, even if you take that other stuff out, it's kind of like one of those Star Trek episodes we were talking about. Mm-hmm. It fits right in there. Do you think I would like it as much if I haven't seen so much Star Trek? Probably. Yeah. I think you'd appreciate it. I don't know that you would. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll find out. I think all that Star Trek definitely primes you for something like to to maybe not initially reject something like this. Mm. I really liked it. Do you think you're more of a nerd because of me, or you yes. always were that nerd, and it would have been pushed into in- something else if I had not come along? I am easily influenced, and I think that yes, your nerdiness has rubbed off on me. I absolutely believe it had. I just think you maybe were. I, I'm trying to figure out whether you just would have been the cool girl, or if you would have been a different sort of nerd. I think a different sort of nerd. Yeah, I think you would have been a different sort of nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> but a different sort of nerd. What do you mean? A, what does that mean? What did I say? A, a, dif- a different uh, intellectual properties. Like, in a, how do you say? Uh, franchises. There we go. Different franchises, genre. I mean, you got right into to something like Twilight, you know? Like, you could be a Twilight nerd. You can be a nerd about a, my mom oh, yeah. was, My I'm mom talked about, about this That's one absolutely time. right. Like, I got really into UFC. I got really into... Different sports. That's jock stuff. Yeah. But getting really no, into it. You can it be a nerd, a nerd about it. Yeah. You can. And I am. So that's like, but they don't, t- I am, that's I not am a typically nerd. <laughs> what you call, that's not typically, I'm talking about fantasy. I'm not fantasy. I'm talking about fiction. But I'm Genre really fiction or something like that. I think. I think I'm a nerd in general. And then the, the genre of nerd I am depends on who's influencing me at the time. Entirely possible. Yeah. Okay. So have we said favorite things? Yes. Yeah. Favorite things done. Um, we did not, you liar. What was your favorite thing? It was the makeup and the teeth. Okay. Tim, what's your favorite thing? Uh, Luz Gossett Jr. Easy. Fine. I liked, I liked Jerry and the fact that he had his baby and the fact that I called it. I was like, oh, they, they don't have to, this is the, the perfect stranded on a desert island type of situation where you don't have to worry about, okay, but you can't make a civilization out of this because it, you get incest. Like, even if you have two people who can reproduce, then you can't do further than that first generation. But Drax are kind of like that perfect alternative, which is you guys, like, they, those two could have hung out for a while yeah. and just kept having babies because they're, like, they didn't, yeah, it's not technically incest and they would okay. have had a whole population. So, Shalia had, Shalia made this comment while we were watching. Mm-hmm. And just to put it straight right now, it, it is 100% incest. It is the a hundred percent example. It it is as far as incest can go. So an asexual being having a baby is not problematic to me in the way that a brother and sister making out and having a baby is. So I it could be that biologically, but also, but incest like creates like beings with like less brains. No, it does not. And yes. you should cut that part. You have no, less the problem, intelligence the problem, and stuff. No, no. The problem is when you start uh, crossing bloodlines that are too close to each other, you concentrate, um, what do you call them, deleterious oh, mutations. So what you would have if this drac kept reproducing asexually like that is almost a population of clones, right? They would all, like the same genes get passed every single time. Which is what they do. That like species, that's that's what it is. So this doesn't get too deep into biology, right? The the movie doesn't. But there has to be a way that you're introducing genetic um, 
variability between, or else you're very likely not to be a, a very uh, effective spe- or successful species. So even species that replicate asexually have ways that such that their population is not a single identical genome across the entire species. But that's weird, right? Because like J- Jerry's talking about the lineage and it's, uh, or the lineage, lineage, and it's one. Like, and then this person, and then this person, and then this person, and then this person. Like, it's one, 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 one. They, they, this is the sort of science fiction movie that's more interested in so, like, like sociology than it is in biology. <laughs> more fiction than science? Sure. Uh, sort of. Okay. Well, fine. I believe it. You guys, let's write it. Rate it. You ready? Let's rate it. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Enemy Mine. 1985, Lewis Gossett Jr., Dennis Quaid. Wait, did this influence Dragonheart? I feel like Dennis Quaid... I made that comment while you're watching. Yeah, yeah, I think it did. It had... I think it was an influence. Yeah. Okay. Is this a classic or are we past it? It's a classic for me. Classic. How the heck is it a classic if I've never even heard of it? There's a shit ton of classics you've never heard of and I haven't either. But it's crazy. Classic. Why? Because right. our because our time on Earth is filled with a bunch of stuff and it's short. I mean, I suppose, but I, okay. I agree. I think it's a classic and I'm a little bothered at the fact that, I mean, literally I knew nothing about it until a couple hours ago. This is literally it's the term, or that's where the term cult classic, I think, comes from. But I know, I know what cult classics are. Like, I, I've heard of a lot of cult classics. But Willow not- last week was... One that I had heard of and just never gotten around to seeing. I don't seeing. think Willow was a cult classic. Like, to the degree it was a classic. I think it's a major movie. Okay. Well, I just, I'm I'm shocked. And pleasantly so. So thank you, Kenton, for, or your retrospective uh, YouTuber for... Oliver <laughs> Harper, I believe. Yeah. Thank you, Oliver, for um, <laughs> bringing this in, because that's ridiculous. I'm going to share it with all of my friends and family. Um, friends, hopefully you enjoyed it. And I forgot last week to say, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, but hopefully you did have a happy Thanksgiving and you're full of lots of good pumpkin pie from Costco. Uh, do we know what we're doing next? We don't. It'll be a surprise. Punisher. I know. I kind of feel like we should do some Louis Gossett Jr. Like, Officer and a Gentleman. Officer and Gentleman, which I really want to do. Punisher, wouldn't be bad. Because that's Dolph Lundgren. Jaws 3D. When I look, when I see Jaws 3D, it says 1983. So, we'll let you know. When, Kendon, what will we be? We'll be back. <laughs>